All right, we are back with the 147th edition of the Quarantine Cast. I'm super excited for this one because it's someone I haven't spoken to. I've been talking to a lot of guys I've I've gotten to know over the past year or so, um, and this is a guy I haven't spoken to yet, so it's always exciting when I get to meet new people. Uh, without further ado, it's UFC Bantamweight, uh, Anthony Burchak. Hey, man, how's it going? What's up, dude? How's it going? It's not, not too bad. Um, first things first, how are things there with the pandemic? I mean, the world right now is ridiculous, so how are things there? Um, in Arizona, I'm in Nevada right now, which is, it's kind of locked down, but back home in Arizona, they, the governor, Doug Ducey, uh, literally just lifted, um, all the mask mandates, social distancing's done, bars, restaurants can return to, to full capacity. Um, and gyms are, gyms are back open. What was the, uh, so you've been back and forth between both Arizona and Nevada, or are you primarily Nevada right now? No, um, I live in Tucson. I operate 10th Planet Tucson and Toro Tech Mixed Martial Arts there in Arizona. Um, the reason that I've been out here is just because um, I don't have the training partners, you know, that I need yet at home. I've been building my students to be, you know, some of the best training partners that I have, but uh, I still need a different look, you know. So uh, I come up here and stay with some family that I have, uh, do my camps at Extreme Couture in 10th Planet Las Vegas. Um, and now that I'm able to get some, you know, some really good therapy and stuff that I need at the UFCPI, uh, it's a lot, lot more, um, encompassing when it comes to training recovery and, uh, you know, the things that I need. I want to talk about this past month. I mean, we've been, we've been talking for a little bit through DMS and whatnot, because you've had a crazy month. Uh, you were supposed to fight Johnny Eduardo. He had some visa issues and then you were you didn't know if you're supposed to fight him a week later, two weeks later, if that fight was going to eventually happen, if you were going to get a change of opponents. Describe what it was like uh, in that roller coaster of emotions. Dude, it's just, it's such a, it's weird what the body goes through, right? Because you're like, you're, you're, you're maintaining camp and you just, your schedule doesn't change, right? But everything that's in you is like, well, why the fuck am I even doing this? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't have a target. I don't have anybody that I'm game planning for. I'm literally just training to train at this point. You know what I mean? And, like, it's hard because you can't get the the mind to fall in line with the body, you know? And the body's ready. It's fucking, you know, got its armor on. It's, it's hardened and it's battle ready. But the mind is just like, you know, are they even going to find me an opponent? You know, is this guy going to get his paperwork done? And, you know, when it came down to, like, stuff with Johnny Eduardo, like, Dude, visa paperwork? Are you fucking kidding me? Like, that is such a 2018-19 problem to have. You know what I mean? Like, in a day and age when, when COVID is canceling everything and, and you want to work and you want to get out there, like, your visa is the thing that got in the fucking way. Like, to me, that's that's apathy and just kind of, you know, dropping the ball. But, uh, you know, they were trying to give him a little bit of extra time. So we went from UFC fight night and then they were trying to move us to UFC 260, right? So they gave him an extra week, which they, they built this fight on four weeks notice to begin with, which is kind of strange, right, for a camp, like four-week notice fight without, you know, him having an opponent fall out or me having an opponent fall out. They just built this fight out of four weeks. I said yes because he's 42 years old and he hasn't fought in 33 months. So him getting ready and getting back in the groove of things is going to take him longer than it's going to take me. You know, I was already been ready through jujitsu and doing super fights and stuff like that. Um, you know, and I took, 
I took that loss to my friend Gustavo very seriously, and I was like, whoa, I, I could get called at any minute. Like, I need to get fucking serious. So I've been training this whole time. Um, you know, so when they said, hey, would you like to fight Johnny Eduardo in four weeks? I was like, yeah, dude, I've been wanting that fight since 2015. You know, like, right now is the best time to hit that. So, you know, all the bullshit aside, it happens. Uh, we're going into UFC 260 fight week, and on that Sunday, I get a call saying, hey, it's no longer Eduardo. We're getting a new opponent. Stand by. And I was standing by for like three days, dude, and it was just, why the fuck am I even here? Like, fucking send me home. So on Wednesday, they decide to send me home, right? Well, Tuesday afternoon, I stopped by Extreme Couture just to say bye to everybody and like, hey, thanks for my training. You know, you guys helped me a lot while I was here. Thanks to my coaches. Sorry I couldn't pay you, you know. And while I'm at Extreme, I get a phone call. I was like, hey, Tony Gravely's dude, uh, Nathan Manis, fell out with an injury. Would you fight Tony? And, like, I'm literally sitting down right there in the gym, looking up his footage, looking up what he's good at, looking up what his, you know, what his strengths are, looking up what his weaknesses are. And, like, the way that I saw everything falling into place, stylistically, I fucking love the matchup. You know, so uh, my coaches were right there. We could literally give them a, a quick analysis. And we kind of just pivoted and restructured our camp. And, you know, here we are, uh, you know, a week and a half later. I literally only went to – went back home to Tucson for three or four days. And then that – this following Monday, this Monday, I jumped right back on a plane and I was right back here in Vegas. Man, I love it. Are you someone that, like um, – like, did you get motivated by certain names? Like, that, like – I know some guys are like, I don't really care. Three days notice, just give me a name. I don't really care. Are you someone that's like, I need to know my opponent well in advance. Oh. I study tape. Yeah, absolutely, dude. I study tape. I'm a student of the game. So, like, if I think something's not a good matchup, like, on three days notice, like, that doesn't make it. Especially with the UFC. Bro, they'll, they'll cut you for, you know, they don't give a shit that you said yes on three days. They're going to give you a cut if you, if you fucking, if you take a shit and you don't look good in that fight. So. I am a business. I am a product. If if what I'm selling is not good, no one's going to buy this shit. Yeah. Right? So, yes, it's cool to be a company man and say yes to, you know, short notice fights for the UFC. But that's also just an opportunity for them to put you on the chopping block. And when, when a couple of names did come across the board, they were like, hey, do you want to fight Montel Jackson? Hey, do you want to fight Kevin Kroom? And I go, okay, Montel Jackson's coming off like a 90-second knockout, and I would need a camp for that guy. Like, I'm not not saying no to him. I would just need a camp. Yeah. Um, and then they were like, well, would you fight Kevin Kroom? And I go, I've, I was supposed to fight Kevin Kroom back in 2013 when we were both Bantamweights. That dude is fucking massive now, and he fights at featherweight. And do I expect him to take, you know, this short-notice fight on three or four days' notice and make weight? Probably not. You know, so then do I want to be stuck in the octagon carrying a guy that's 165, 170? Fuck no. Yeah. You know, and I, they had been holding my weight at 145s for two weeks. So my body already acclimated to 145. I wasn't going to bounce up much more, you know. And um, so I did field some offers from, from a couple of different names, and it, they, they just didn't make sense to me. So when – when they told me Tony Gravely's opponent fell out, I was like, fuck yeah, that's a stylistic matchup that I love. 
Yeah, it's, I think it's a great matchup. Uh, I love it. Um, I want to talk about your UFC. Well, I wouldn't say UFC debut. Your second stint uh, when you got the call to fight, like you said, a friend of yours, Gustavo Lopez. It's it's got to be hard when you get that phone call. Like, yeah, dude, it's a friend. Uh, it's hard, but it also gives me back to the UFC, which is where I want to be. What was that conversation like? And did you give him a call? Did you talk that, to him that, before you? That was it? the that was exactly the conversation. Exactly what you said. He gave me a call right after they they made the matchup, and he was like, "Hey, are you good?" And I was like, "Are you good?" He's like. Yeah, man. He goes, the way I see this is, this is all love and respect. Like, you know, you're my, you're my dude. He's like, but this is a win-win because I know how hard you've been trying to get back into the UFC. And I'm at a point where I need to stay in the UFC. So he's like, let's go in there, fucking bang it out. And we'll have a beer after, you know, and we both get a little money for Christmas. So that that's how that went down, man. And it was just, it was just shitty, you know, because like if if you follow me and you guys have been looking at my Instagram, that was Halloween weekend on fucking Friday and Saturday night. I was in drag dressed like a woman fucking twerking my ass off, get drunk as shit. And on Monday, I'm back in the biggest show in MMA. Yeah, I mean, was there? I'm sure there was no hesitation. It's your chance to get back in the UFC. There was no doubt at all you were taking that fight. Yeah, no, you know, and, and like. I mean, Gustavo was fucking battle ready and I was nowhere near, you know, that, but, um, you know, between all the rounds that we've shared, like, yeah, I mean, maybe I could, maybe I could catch him with something, you know? So, uh, you know, that's how it went. That's how it went down, dude. Yeah. Your departure from the, uh, the UFC was a bit weird because you were coming off a win too. Uh, and then you went and a lot of guys like to stay in, you know, compete in LFA and whatnot. You decided to go abroad, which is something a lot of guys don't do. What went behind that decision to go to Ryzen? Yeah, a lot of people were like, oh, I don't understand why the UFC cut you on a win. I, they didn't cut me. I, I walked away on my own free will, you know, and not a lot of guys get to do that. They don't get to leave on their terms. Um, ultimately, it came down to me, uh, you know, needing more money. And um, I was trying to be a company man. And I said yes. And I was trying to do this. And I was trying to do that. Uh, I said yes to uh, Rafael Asuncao when him and Aljamain Sterling's fight fell apart for UFC New York. Um, during that time, there was a lot of turmoil with the UFC uh, getting bought out by WME IMG and the Fertitas kind of, you know, leaving. So um, there was a couple contracts that got sent to limbo. And it was like me, Carlos Sparza, Ryan Bader, and uh, what was his name? The Monsoon was his cage name. Um, uh, Larkin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, Larkin. He, they all ended up, you know, going to Bellator. Carla. She doesn't have four kids and, and, you know, need to respond to people. So she just waited. And that's what Sean Shelby was like, is you can wait, dude. Like, as soon as we go into 2017, we'll re-sign you. But I had already fought at UFC 200 weekend, which was July 7th. And I had already been off for six months. You know, like, I was healthy. I was ready to go. And, uh, you know, I wanted to re-sign. And during that time, there was three organizations that I was – I was playing my free agency with, and that was Combate Americas. That was uh, Ryzen and uh, ACB. And, you know, ACB offered me some good money, but, like, I just heard so many horror stories from people about how, you know, the Russian judging is and some of the, you know, some of the bad calls and things like that. And, uh, you know, fighting in Russia just never really, you know, enticed me. Um, Combate Americas had a great, great offer. And, Kind of the way that they feature the Latin American fighters, I thought was a really cool thing. So, um, 
I was playing, you know, between Ryzen and them, and it was just like, man, Ryzen pays in cash. It's an opportunity to fight in Japan. Um, this is a, a, a way for me to raise my value. And, you know, once my free agency's done, like, I can come back to the UFC at a higher payout. So I thought, right? And, like, going to Ryzen was probably one of the worst things to happen in my career. You know, those two very shitty split decision losses. And then a loss to Kawajiri, which is fine. Like, I have no problem. I'll own that loss to Kawajiri. He's one of the greatest fighters of all time. One of the top three greatest Japanese fighters of all time. Um, and, you know, if I had to fight him to get my foot in the door, then so be it. But I don't believe I lost those other two fights. And and if I wouldn't have taken those fights, man, I'd have been, I think my record would have been 16 and three or 16 and four, which is a, you know, a title challenger at, in any organization. So, um, sorry, 18, it would have been 18 and four with the two wins. Uh, but you know, I got paid, I made my money. And then when I came back to the U S it was just super hard for me to find fights. LFA would, uh, you know, was really hard to find me fights. Combatas was really hard to find me fights. They would go through seven or eight opponents, you know, two weeks out because everyone just said no and canceled and fell out with an injury or pulled out because they were scared. So for me to get back in and finally, you know, get my foot back in the door to fight in the UFC, like it was, it was, it, it had to be yes. Right. So like, um, yeah, I made money and I, and I had some cool experiences, but my, my career and my record took a big hit with that, with that stint and rising dude. Yeah. But now you're back, you're back in the UFC. You're at, in my opinion, I, I nominated extreme couture for uh, best gym in 2020 as someone who's been there is the hype real behind dude, uh, I, Eric Nixon in the gym. Listen, man, I've been, extreme couture since 2012 yeah 2011 2012 um me and my wife have been coming up here and uh you know i did my ryan benoit camp here for the mfc uh i did my tito jones camp there for my MFC, for the mfc like i've done numerous all my camps for ryzen um the 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 synergy like i've been to jackson's i've been to all these other big gyms where i see all these personalities, right? There's like major personalities and you see like everyone is just always holding you like at an arm's distance. You know what I mean? At extreme, it's like everybody's fucking there to work together, uh, you know, build like there was a time when I was at Jackson, like I realized like John Jones and Alistair Overeem don't work together. Like that's crazy, right? Yeah. Like those would be the two greatest training partners for each other. But they don't work with they don't work with each other because they're two high profile alpha athletes. I don't see that extreme, dude. Like everybody works together. Everybody yeah. works together. The coaching from Dennis Davis, Eric Nixon, Ray Seffo, uh, there's uh, you know, guys like Jake Shields and Vinny Magalesh. Like there's so many dudes that are just in there inputting knowledge. Um, it, it's wild, dude. Tim Lane, coach Tim Lane. Uh, you know, he was, he, he's a, an amazing striking coach and there's just so many people that, you know, fighters gravitate towards certain coaches. Like, you know, every Monday, Eric comes in and just lights a fire under all our asses and we get fucking going. Dude, it's, it's a legitimate team family environment. It's, it's rad. Yeah. And I think it's paying off. Like, you know, after 2020, there were no champions out of Extreme Couture, and Aljamain Sterling was training there, so you can count that one. And then Francis Ngannou, as someone who's gotten to know Francis, 
your thoughts on him? I mean, is like he's he's just he seems like such a nice, genuine guy, but then when he's the octagon door closes, a light the light switch switches. Yeah, he's um he's not a a man of very many words, right? And like I, I don't really try to like I, I think any conversation with me is wasting time. Like I don't try to waste his time. So I just watch, dude, and I see like how much he truly was trying to get better. You know, there's a yeah. lot of guys that like, oh, I just throw a punch and I'll just I just need to land this punch, you know, but for him to make those adjustments that he needed, you know, the down blocks, which stopped the takedown. And then the, the two straight crispy punches that he threw was ultimately that that's what, that's what won him the fight, you know, not winging hooks, throwing mm-hmm. straight down the pipe is what won him that fight. And, um, seeing all these people like trying to chip in because he's now the only other heavyweight other than Randy Couture to hold the belt there at extreme. Yeah. So that was a big moment. And I remember Eric, like, you know, Hey, we got, you know, Burchak this weekend. He's finally going to be able to get a fight and we got so-and-so this weekend. And then we got the opportunity to put another heavyweight champion, you know, on our wall since the, since the old man himself. And I just remember that. And I was like, fuck dude, like let's fucking go. Let's get this shit. Yeah, man, it's it's a huge moment for that gym. I'm gonna ask you a couple of more questions, and then I'll let you go. I know you have jujitsu. Um, there's a big fight coming up, and I can't go without asking predictions. Uh, Jorge Masvidal versus Kamaru Usman. Do you have a prediction for that fight, dude? I think I mean everyone wants to talk shit to Masvidal about how he got what 50, 43, or some some fucking ridiculous question, like ridiculous score. I I think it's gonna be a little bit more of the same. I think. Both of those dudes are going to be bringing some heat, and it's going to go to a decision again. I just, I, I Cameron's such a grinder, man, and his his style is draining. You know, I think uh, I think Cameron will still end up on on top uh, and coming out victorious in that fight, but uh, I don't think there's going to be a finish. And if it is, it's going to be something wild. But again, I think it's going to be a battle of attrition and something that goes the distance with with uh, you know Cameron edging uh, out Jorge Masvidal. All right, and then I'll ask one last question. What can we expect from you in your next fight against Tony Gravely? Oh, laser-like precision, my man. I'm fucking surgical. You know, I've been on the pads just cracking with Ray Seffo. You know, shout out to my coach, Ray. Um, He's got my hands and and kicks. You know, he's obviously the K1 kickboxing legend, you know, and and we're creating, you know, like trying to take that old-school kickboxing that is is – you know, that it's been proven to win fights. If you look at Henry Hooft, you know, that, that old school basic style is what's winning fights there at, at Sanford. And uh, Ray is, is that is that guy, you know. So I'm blessed to be learning from him. And what you guys will see is, is you know, amazing laser-like precision, you know, and, and just me doing my thing out there, man. I'm about to have fun. Like, I haven't had fun doing this in a long time. And a lot of shit I've been doing lately has just been pure fucking fun, man. Like, you know, my, my, me hitting pads, me wrestling, me doing jujitsu. Like I'm enjoying this shit again. All right, man. Well, I won't take up any more of your time. Best of luck. And, uh, can't wait to, uh, to see what you can do for sure, man. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. All right, man. Best of luck. There you go. Anthony Burchak, UFC Bantamweight. Tune into his fight. He's got a big fight against Tony Gravely. Like we said, if you guys haven't yet, be sure to like comment and subscribe and I will see you guys next time.